Hey family, I am so glad to be able to join with you all for another week of Sanctuary Church online and this time I get to share a message. So just want to hop right on in. How many of you remember when the sensation that was Marie Kondo emerged? She is an organizing consultant that's known for drastically decluttering people's lives based upon the Marie method. I've used it myself. It's great. The key to this method is to hold an item that you own in your hand and ask yourself, does this spark joy? If it does, you keep the item. If it doesn't, you get rid of it. Now, sparking joy, as she describes it, is when holding the item creates a physical response in you. You can feel your emotions elevate when you hold the item. In our world, it seems we are constantly searching for that lifting of emotion, that joy. And this family is actually a holy desire. When God crafted us, he made us to desire good gifts from him, and joy is one of those good gifts. Based on what the scriptures tell us, joy is experienced in our day-to-day rooted in eternity, persistent through hard times, tied to hope and the Holy Spirit, and radiant in its fullness. Now, there are multiple ways we experience joy in our day-to-day, and this varies by person, like that lifting of emotion that we feel when we have an exceptional cup of coffee. That's a form of joy. At least, I mean, those who like coffee, the thing that they're describing to me when they drink it, it sounds like joy. I'm more of a chai person myself. Or there is joy when your favorite team has a big win. The joy I witnessed and experienced when the Steelers made it to and then won the Super Bowl in 2006 is something I don't think I will ever forget. Living in Pittsburgh and watching an entire city rejoice for weeks was an amazing thing. The songs that were created and sang, the dancing, the parties, you would pass someone in the grocery store, not No, nary a thing about the person, but you see a Steelers logo on their clothes somewhere and they become your best friend in that moment. Even in the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we read of how people rejoice in a good harvest, a job well done, their marriage, children, and when justice is fulfilled. When good things happen, whether big or small, we are able to experience joy. But family, the joy that followers of Jesus have access to is more robust than this. It's able to endure in the middle of darkness and pull us through to the other side of trials. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 6, it's written, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Continuing in verses 8 and 9, Peter writes, Though you have not seen him, that is, Jesus, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here, Peter places joy and grief, or another way to translate that is distress. He places them side by side. 
the inexpressible and glorious joy that he is attempting to describe here does not rely upon good circumstances to exist. It's not wiped out by suffering. In fact, he seems to be saying, like James does in the book of James and Paul in the book of Romans, that this robust, sturdy joy even grows in a peculiar way in the middle of suffering. Now, you may be listening to me right now and thinking, how is that possible? How can I have joy when someone I love has just died? How can I have joy when I am in debt this close to eviction and I still have to buy groceries? Like, how can I have joy when I am just so tired? I'm not at all saying that this is either easy or simple. Rejoicing, that is, having and expressing joy even when we are suffering goes against the natural day-to-day experience of joy. But the joy promised to followers of Jesus is rooted in that which is eternal and so cannot be limited by those things that are bound within space and time. And suffering, suffering is indeed something that we, my brothers and sisters, know is bound by space and time. It's limited. Alicia Harris, a spoken word artist, wrote a beautiful poem entitled Joy. The opening lines are, obese as the night sky is, its greed does not outweigh the first mouthful of dawn. (laughs) She is saying that even the darkest, most terrible suffering of life cannot fully eclipse joy. So where does this robust joy come from? Let's look again at 1 Peter verses 8 and 9 in that first chapter. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. First, let's focus in on you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Belief in Jesus, faith and trust in God. That is the starting point of this joy. For those who have been walking in the way for years, you may be saying, yeah, okay, of course. For those who are curious and trying to understand the way of Jesus, you may be wondering what this even means. Wherever you are in your journey, let's take a minute to tarry at the cross Let's never get beyond the cross. Communion, for example, is a great reminder of the root of our faith. The bread is his body broken. The wine or juice is his blood poured out. His body broken, his blood poured out. We have a debt with God because of our sin, the things we do that put distance between him and ourselves. The only way we ourselves can pay that debt is by dying. But God was like, "Mm, I don't like that. Doesn't work for me because they die and then we're separated for eternity. That's no good because, you know, kind of love them. And, you know, I walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and I miss that. I miss that kind of relationship. On top of all that, when they aren't in a relationship with me, they end up totally messing each other up in all of creation. That doesn't work for me either. So we're going to do something about this. So God, the creator of all things, decided that coming to earth as a human, living life perfectly, being tortured, giving up his life, and resurrecting was the way to go about getting this done. 
when I stop and think of that, no matter how long I've heard it, it baffles me, it humbles me, and it fills me with such with gratitude and wonder and awe. This is the beginning and end of our joy, believing that we who are sinners, imperfect and thus far from God, were so loved by him that he took on our death penalty and then came back to life so that we ourselves could have a new life. So we ourselves could be drawn into an eternal relationship with God. This is the beginning and end of our joy, trusting this God of a crazy, inexplicable, inexplicable kind of love, trusting him with the course of our lives, with our eternal souls because of the gift of salvation. Second, let's look at the phrase filled with an inexpressible, inexpressible and glorious joy. The key word here being filled. When you're handed a joy-inducing cup of coffee or chai, you don't assume that that wonderful elixir just appeared all by its lonesome in the cup, right? No, someone filled the cup. In the same way, this joy that is rooted in a promise of eternal salvation, this joy that followers of Jesus have access to, doesn't just appear all on its own. Someone fills us. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So who fills us with joy? God. God does. He gifts, he gifts this to us as we trust and have faith in him, like we covered a moment ago. And this is done through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what does this even mean by the power of the Holy Spirit? This isn't the only place where the Holy Spirit and joy are linked. In Romans, Paul writes that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He also writes in Galatians chapter 5 that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. In that same chapter, he lets us know how the fruit of the Spirit emerges. In verse 25, he writes, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That is to say that the fruit of the Spirit grows out of us living our lives according to the guidance and advice of the Holy Spirit. So how do we even receive that guidance? One way is by reading the Word. The Scriptures are the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit offers us guidance through the wisdom in the Bible. Another way we receive guidance is by listening to God. Sanctuary recently finished a series on hearing God, and it is conveniently available on our YouTube channel for you to get a refresher on how it is that we are able to hear God speak. So, putting it in what I recognize are very simplistic terms, this eternity-rooted joy is a gift from God. Our God fills us with it through the power of the Holy Spirit as we trust in Him. Now, I want to make a final point about the source of joy before providing some examples of the practice of joy. And this is the final point. Joy and hope are inextricably tied together. Looking again at Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul points to a particular attribute of God in this passage. God is the God of hope. And what is this hope he refers to? 
In 1 Peter 1, 9, we read about that hope that is the reason why we are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our hope is that the end result of our faith is the salvation of our souls. The end result of having faith in Jesus is that we no longer have to pay the price of our sin. In fact, we have an eternal promise, a promise that lasts beyond the end of our life in these mortal bodies and is attached to the destiny of our immortal souls. It's the promise of being able to exist as we are meant to in a whole and loving relationship with God. Now, this isn't that shaky hope that we often refer to, like, I hope I get that job, or I hope I pass that test, or I hope that my little brother doesn't eat that last slice of pizza. Yeah, obviously, I'm over that, <laughs> calling him out here, knowing he's going to see this. <clears throat> anyway, this hope is more than that. This hope isn't something that can be disappointed. But the hope of our faith can best be understood as an assurance and certainty of something that hasn't happened yet, particularly of God fulfilling his promises. And God always fulfills his promises, always, family. And so where does this joy come from? This joy that goes beyond the day-to-day, big and small good things that happen? It comes from faith and trust in God. It is a gift from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is rooted in the hope of our faith that God saves our souls. And so where does this joy come from, this joy that goes beyond the day-to-day big and small good things that happen? It comes from faith and trust in God. It is a gift from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is rooted in the hope of our faith that God saves our souls. For some of you, considering this on its own is already sparking joy within you. But some of you may be thinking, that hope is nice for my future condition, but right now I'm in the thick of it. I point you again to 1 Peter 1 verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. The scriptures tell us here and in other places that it is possible to experience joy and suffering together. In fact, it was thinking about the black experience in America, especially in light of events of this summer, that led me to spend more time thinking about joy in the middle of darkness. Howard Thurman, a black minister, theologian, and civil rights leader, wrote this of the trials, the darkness, the oppression that the black community has faced in America and their response, especially black Christians, to the suffering. Under such a circumstance, even one's deepest distress becomes so sanctified that a vast illumination points the way to the land one seeks. This is the God and man. Because of it, mankind stands in immediate candidacy for the power to absorb all the pain of life without destroying joy. That is to say, the darkness of the anguish makes clearer and more radiant that light of hope, of joy. The darkness makes the light that much stronger. Obese as the night sky is, its greed does not outweigh the first mouthful of dawn. 
I tell you, family, the joy we have access to is a strange thing, a strange and resilient thing. There is a lot that we can learn from the black Christian tradition about joy in the midst of suffering. These things are rooted in the foundations of the way of Jesus for all of us, but have a ref- have been refined to a particular brilliance in the black community in the fires of oppression. I'm only going to highlight a few practices of joy, each of which are massive topics all on their own. But if you're searching for a way to practice joy this week, whether you are in the middle of a trial now or life is going pretty well, I encourage you to consider these things. The first practice is dance. That's right, dance. If you're about ready to stop watching, please bear with me. Throughout the Bible, there are examples of dancing with joy. Some scholars suggest that the word rejoice and dance are the same in Aramaic, one of the languages in the Bible. So in Zechariah 3, verse 17, where it reads that God will rejoice over you with singing, it can also be translated that he will dance over you with singing. King David danced with joy, praising God as he led the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. This was a holy item from the time when God delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt that symbolized the promises he made with them. And I mean, David danced, I mean, to the extent that his clothes came off. And if this seems excessive to you, you're not alone. David's wife told him off for that. But David's response was, I'm going to celebrate before the Lord, and so be it, if doing so makes me seem undignified. Dancing is a radiant expression of joy and is what Barbara Holmes describes as a contemplative practice of the Black church. There are different forms of it, choreographed and spontaneous, communal and individual. Sometimes it comes from an overflowing of joy, and sometimes it's what can be described as, fake it till you make it. (laughs) You're not feeling joyful, and... You're going to praise anyway. You're going to dance until you're filled with joy. I myself occasionally like to take what's called a praise break. So a praise break in the black tradition tends to be accompanied by a particular kind of music, heavy on the organ with a very upbeat tempo and plenty of hand clapping to accompany the dancing. Now, when I take the praise break in the middle of suffering, I go for a song like Still Have Joy by Ty Trivet. Weeping men. Endure for the night, but I'm glad that I still have joy. After all that I've been through, I still have my joy. Or when I've just gotten over a trial, I may go straight for a song that is more instrumental, but has a classic refrain that I've heard during praise breaks in church since I was growing up. When I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I could dance, 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 dance all night. Anyway, so yes, and I just go for it. Now, God made our bodies to respond to this action. Dancing releases the happy chemicals in the brain, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, and when you dance with others, oxytocin. So combine that with doing the dance in praise to God and body and spirit become aligned in joy. Ain't it great the way God knit our bodies together? Now, I'm not saying you have to be able to dance well. I'm not saying you have to dance with other people there, although there is value added when there's communal dancing. All I'm saying is find a song of praise and move your body. Now, the next practice that sparks joy that I want to highlight is love. 
In John 15, verses 9 through 12, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus's joy is rooted in keeping his father's commands and remaining in his father's love. He wants his joy, the source of his joy, to be the source of our joy. In addition, we are to keep Jesus's commands and remain in his love only by keeping the commands of our father and of our Jesus. And by remaining in the love of God can our joy be complete. So first, there is remaining in the love of Jesus and the Father. That means we are to believe that the love is there. We are to value it. We are to remember it. And second, there is keeping their commands, keeping the commands. The two greatest commandments are one, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And two, to love your neighbor as yourself, or as Jesus put it here, to love each other as he has loved us. So lavish love on God by spending time with him, by following his guidance, by listening to him, by getting to know more about him. Love God with everything. And lavish love on people the way Christ loves. I want to emphasize this lavish love on people, on each other. How does Christ love? The gospels show that he talked to people, walked with them, listened to them, healed them, fed them, ate with them, forgave them, lived with them, and sacrificed for them, even to the point of giving up his own life. And we should love like that. This is not easy, but it is necessary. This loving one another is a practice that the Black Church in America has struggled to capture as they recognize its importance in the middle of darkness, of the darkness of racism and oppression that leeches life of the love, and in fact discourages Christ-like love, not only between races, but love within one's own race and love of oneself. So there is an emphasis on celebrating one another and caring for the community. At times it means even being willing to lay down one's life for the sake of a brother or sister, which some have done. Loving God and loving others creates joy within us. In fact, our joy is incomplete without this. So find a way to love God and at least one other person this week, family. And if you are just holding on by a thread, I want to point you again to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remembering hope is a practice of joy. Remember the promises of God. Remember the hope of the salvation of your soul. Remember that joy is a gift from the God of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that the suffering of now is not permanent. Remembering hope is a key theme in the music of the Black church, from Negro spirituals on to the gospel music as it exists today. This theme continues because the suffering didn't end with the abolition of slavery, nor did it end with the culmination of the civil rights movement, nor did it end with the election of a Black president, nor has it ended to this day and will not end anytime soon. However, there is a hope that we cling to, a hope rooted in God's eternal promise. 
So, in the words of one gospel song, hold on just a little while longer, everything will be all right. Beloved, just hold on to the hope a little longer. I praise the God of hope for the gift of joy that he grants, an inexpressible joy that is radiant in the middle of darkness, a joy that is built upon the promise of salvation and thus cannot be shaken, a joy that we experience and strengthen through such practices as dance and love and remembering hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for joy. We thank you for the day-to-day experiences of joy as well as the robust joy that you promised, the robust joy that exists in the middle of and even thrives to a certain extent in the middle of darkness. May we experience, come to better understand, more deeply understand this joy. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.